Hello and welcome to the NNUH podcast, Behind the Hospital Curtain, where we go in-depth on various healthcare topics. My name's Susie Hawes and in this episode we're talking about cancer. One in two of us will be affected by cancer in our lifetimes, so cancer really does affect so many people. If not yourself, maybe a relative, a friend or a colleague. Today we're talking about the cancer services provided at the Northcon Norwich. I'm chatting to Bethan Phillips, who's our Macmillan Information Manager, and she talks to us about how our clinical teams and support staff help patients and their loved ones. There's lots of information in this episode. I hope you find it useful. So Bethan, can you just tell me a bit about your role and what you do? So, um, yeah, hello, as Susie said, I'm Bethan. I'm the Macmillan Information Manager here at the hospital. Uh, my background is as a cancer nurse, which I think explains a little bit more about what I do than my actual job title. So I run the Macmillan Information and Support Centres, so the pod here at the hospital and Cromer with my colleague Wendy. Um, and what our role is, is really to be there when someone has extra questions about cancer and that can be anyone at all so member of the public who happens to be coming in for another appointment or someone who's going through cancer treatment and so we tend to provide extra information we signpost we make referrals we provide psychological support I kind of say that I do a bit of everything and for whoever needs it Um, and we work alongside the cancer team so we're just an extra layer of support for the cancer teams I also work really closely with the cancer services team or as part of the cancer services team to develop cancer services as well. Moving on to then cancer services, it's such a huge topic, isn't it? Um, And such a huge service here. What sort of things do we offer for patients with cancer here? Yeah, so I I think that is a really um, good point. Cancer is such a wide variety of things. When I talk, I'm going to be talking quite generically. Um, I'm not going to be focusing on a particular type of cancer. Um, Everyone has had a very different, everyone will have a very different experience of cancer. So I will be very generic in my answers. So the North Norwich University Hospital is actually one of the largest cancer centres in the UK. And we are the biggest provider of cancer in East of England as well. So we offer world-class treatments to more than 6,000 patients every year. Um, each patient will receive a personalised treatment um, in line with national guidelines and their individual needs. So that's why I can't be really specific in terms of what, what we kind of offer because we offer something different to each patient. We offer holistic support, which basically means looking at the whole person, not just looking at them from a clinical point of view, throughout patient care from peaking up pre-diagnosis all the way through treatment and aftercare as well. Wow, 6,000 people. Wow, that's a lot. And are are we sort of specialists in any areas? Or well, you just said we're one of the specialist centres in the UK, so I guess we're specialists at a lot of it. We are, we are. We have a lot of um, different really good accreditations, really. We are the lead cancer centre for the East of England, just to name a few, and we can't cover all of them. Um, but we're a centre of excellence for gastro and colorectal cancer, brain cancer and our acute oncology service. Um, we've won sort of international accreditation for stem cell transplant service. Um, we've got the one of the country's largest breast cancer units, that's our Boudicca breast cancer unit. Um, we're East of England Penile Cancer Centre. We're 
uh, lung cancer tertiary centre as well. Um, and our myeloma team have won our Clinical Service Excellence Programme Award for the second year. Let's talk a bit about like the cancer journey, if we're allowed to use that journey word, because I know that gets thrown around a lot, but <laughs> I, I guess it is a journey. Um, so when a person finds out they've got cancer, so perhaps they've been to their GP with, with symptoms or whatever, and they, they're kind of coming to then getting their diagnosis. What's that usual process? Do they always get the diagnosis here in the hospital? Can they get it at the GP? What can they expect? It's a really uh, broad question and there's an awful lot to cover. Um, it's definitely something that we know is, it's almost like going on holiday to a different country where you don't speak the language and you've not been before. Um, cancer is like that, but it's almost like island hopping in that way. So every stage... Um, of a pathway feels like a completely different um, journey. So I'll do my best to kind of explain it um, in, in the best terms that I can. This question actually links really well to what we're doing for World Cancer Day um, this year. So on the 2nd of February, we're holding an event called uh, Reflecting Together on Cancer Care, in which we're going to demystify the cancer process. As I said at the beginning, it's very hard to say what a usual process is. It will depend on someone's type of cancer, stage and symptom of their cancer, which will mean that they have a different experience. We can have two people diagnosed with the same cancer in the same place um, and they might have very different treatments. So again, I just want to stress that I'm, I'm talking quite generically here. And so following a GP or dentist referral, so people also yeah. get referred by the dentist, which is really important, especially for those mouth cancers. A patient will then be seen either in person or over the telephone as soon as possible uh, by a specialist doctor and nurse in that area of cancer. People quite often know the phrase two-week wait, um, which referred to the sort of pathway that they were on. It actually was replaced in 2023 with something called the faster diagnosis standard. So rather than the idea of having to be seen within these two weeks, which might work for some cancers, might not work for other cancers, it's to be seen as quickly as possible um, and most appropriate time frame for that person's symptoms. So as I said, they'll be seen either on, in person or by telephone by a specialist doctor and nurse um, in that area. They will likely then be referred for further tests such as biopsies. So that's taking a sample of tissues uh, for analysis to find out what type of cancer it is what stage it is, things like that, or further scans to get a really detailed look of where that cancer is and how it's affecting the body. It's really important that we get all of the information um, that we need so that, that we can decide on the best treatment possible. Um, and I think that sometimes means it takes a long time for us to get that information, which absolutely for the patient can be really worrying um, and it can feel like nothing's happening for them. A lot of the time, actually, there's there's loads happening behind the scenes. People are doing lots of different things to kind of progress that um, information along and, and to get the information as quickly as they can to the patient. But it's completely normal for that to be very anxiety-ridden time. And I always say that's actually the worst time in a patient's cancer pathway because I think it often feels like, as I said, nothing's happening. And when we don't know information, when we know there's something wrong, but we don't know what the outcome is or what's yeah. going to make it better, um, that actually 
our brains are really bad at coping with yeah your mind goes to worst case scenario doesn't it whereas so easy. if you're given certain information once you know you know yeah and then you can manage so often when people get their diagnosis when they get their treatment plan they know they're either going to have surgery or an anti-cancer treatment when when we get to that stage then actually people are like, okay great i'm going to do this that's fine and, and we kind of have that process in place but often that's when people talk about kind of the worst stage of cancer because they're just waiting for these results and you have no control over that happening as well. So from that, when we've got all of that information all together, the team will get together in what's called a multidisciplinary team meeting um, and they will discuss what kind of treatment plan, what the best plan for that patient is. So it could be, as I said, surgery, it might be anti-cancer treatment, it might be a mixture of both. So someone might have surgery and then an anti-cancer treatment. Can I just ask, anti-cancer treatment, is that when you mean things like radiotherapy, chemotherapy? Yeah. So it used to be chemotherapy and radiotherapy. Those were our two options. Um, but now there's such a wide variety of things that we can provide. So there's, there's things like immunotherapy, brachytherapy, lots of other things that go on within that. And so we call it anti-cancer treatment. Or oncology is kind of the treatment of cancer. So you have the MDT meeting. Yep. And then I guess, is that then after that, they have the breaking of the news or do they already know then that already know they've got cancer at that point because they've been called for scanners this is where it very much becomes science specific yeah. where your cancer is for some people they will have already been told they definitely have a cancer diagnosis then have the scans then be seen in in the multidisciplinary meeting and um, for some people it might just be a really quick thing so if, if someone has a rapidly progressing cancer we might not have that time to kind of to tell them and then find out the treatment plan so they get told everything all at once it really depends so things like in breast cancer we have a sort of a faster diagnosis and um, they where people come in in for a review or they've had a mammogram that is a bit suspicious and they will have all of their tests in one day and then be told at the end of that day um, what their diagnosis is so for some people in breast cancer that's what happens for example, in prostate cancer, quite a lot of the time we might get those results back and um, and it might be one of our clinical nurse specialists that provide the diagnosis. And that quite often happens over the telephone, which tends to be the patient's preference. So it, it really is very specific to the cancer. So you spoke about MDTs and um, then say that been told okay this is the situation and, and this is your treatment plan after that does every patient get given like a dedicated uh, cancer nurse yeah so you will meet a or the person will meet a cancer nurse um at that first uh, appointment and um, so a clinical nurse specialist is the person that we tend to refer to as a, a sort of a cancer nurse i think some people get confused by the title they are sometimes called a Macmillan nurse. And I just, can I just clarify something about Macmillan? So Macmillan provide the funding for many posts and they're a, a really amazing charity that, that do an awful lot of that. Um, but they don't necessarily provide the post. So the person will be a an, an Norfolk and Norwich University hospital nurse yeah. who is funded by Macmillan. So I think sometimes people get a bit confused as to whether or not they've seen a Macmillan nurse or they've seen someone from the hospital i see and um, because the names can be used quite interchangeably um but because that that post might have originally be funded by macmillan it, 
they could be called a Macmillan nurse. Okay. Um, but you will see a specialist nurse in your cancer, whether or not they're from Macmillan or funded by Macmillan or not, they are still a specialist nurse in that cancer. And are they the main point of contact that if you were having a problem at home or perhaps like a reaction to something or a, or a side effect or you just have any question or concern, would they be the ones you go to? Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, most of the time you'll have a named nurse. So you'll have a person that, that you meet in that first appointment and they will be your nurse. But because of, you know, working hours and sickness and holidays and all those things that make us human, <laughs> um, it actually we often say it's the team that will provide that support. And so you will have a team of nurses who you can contact and, yeah, and ask them. And um, so you ha you'll have a slightly different, uh, you might have a different clinical nurse specialist or CNS, depending on where you are in your treatment. So, for example, normally people who are having surgery, they'll have a, a surgical clinical nurse specialist. But then we also have specialist anti-cancer or oncology CNS nurses as well. You can contact, you know, your, if you're in the middle of oncology treatment and you need to speak to your surgery nurse, that is absolutely fine. They won't, they won't turn you away. Um, but you will be given the correct contact details for um, each person at each stage. Um, so, yeah, I think sometimes people don't know that they might get a different, a different specialist nurse. Um, but it's just because those areas are so specialised that one person can't cover all of them. Yeah. Gosh, it is. It sounds confusing. Like you said, it sounds like a different language. It must be incredibly overwhelming for patients and their families that are going through it. And that kind of dealing with those overwhelming feelings and all that kind of stuff. Is that where your role comes in or, or does the cancer specialist also deal with that? I mean, we all know that, yeah, cancer is very overwhelming. Different people react to it in really different ways as well. I think that's really important to say. You know, we always have this idea that, you, that cancer means that automatically you break down and you can't cope and everything. But actually, there are people that get told they have their cancer diagnosis, say, okay, that's fine, let's get on with the next stage. And they kind of don't necessarily have that, that time to process the emotion of it. Do you sometimes hear of those kind of things catching up with them later, having those feelings and it all coming out at a few months later or a year later or yeah something. absolutely i think i think it's it, it must be so hard to try and deal with the psychological impact of cancer while you're trying to deal with this quite intense physical side of cancer as well so a lot of people that i see say to me i don't feel sad at all and i'm just getting on with the physical and and i say that's absolutely fine that's not a problem at all but you're right occasionally normally it will come to you it will kind of um hit you at some point and and that might be during your, your treatment that might be at your last appointment that might be five years down the line and um, most people do have an emotional reaction to it at some point because it is a massively traumatic thing to go through yeah and I guess there's some of it as well like saying however you're feeling or reacting that's okay like that's normal but everyone deals with it differently and that's okay or you don't need to feel guilty that you're not feeling the same way absolutely all that you are feeling yeah you know you don't need to feel guilty that you're you're feeling really sad and you're really struggling and there's just support there available when someone needs it and so they, those cancer nurse specialists they're there like at the end of the phone they're there during appointments are they yeah i mean because cancer is so specialized our cns team do a whole massive range of things it's actually a really hard question to say specifically what a cns role is and um, so each body site will provide slightly different support and um, and they have slightly different roles and um, so you know yes they're always there at the under the phone if they're not 
there because they're in clinic or something, there's always an, a voicemail and um, that you can leave or an email contact and um, that you can provide. Um, that that's the essence of their role is to be that main contact for patient and families. Um, but we also have clinical nurse specialists who complete investigations, order scans, provide well-being services. They run support groups. They tell patients diagnosis. They really do a, a, everything that is required of them and more. We've sort of spoken about like worries and emotional side of it. And obviously there's the physical side, like, I don't know, difficulty sleeping, sickness. But I guess then there's knock-on effect, like maybe if someone can't work, like financial worries and, and the worry about looking after your family if you've got children or elderly relatives that you're, you're a carer for. So are you able to help with that those kind of worries? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think I said we provide this holistic care. It's a very healthcare word, that holistic. But it basically means the whole person. It covers everyone, everything. Um, and absolutely, cancer does not just affect you in, in a physical way. It affects all parts of you, all parts of your life. Like any big life event, you know, I always refer to it as like having a child. You are not the same person when you've had a child, when before you have a child and when you have I've had a child and when you have a child you know it's a very similar thing when you've had pre-cancer and post-cancer you'll be quite different as a person and you need to have that time to adjust to that and also the guidance to know what that means for you and um, yeah so absolutely we're there to provide answers to any question I have people that come in to the pod service because it's a drop-in service I can see anyone at all so I have people that come in and talk to me about their worries about getting cancer and what they need to look out for and what sort of symptoms they're worried about. Um, I have people that come in and say, five years ago, I had this cancer treatment and I didn't have this other cancer treatment. Obviously, with so many patients that we treat, sometimes in those clinic appointments, because what we need to think about is the, the physical, it can be really hard to cover every single one of those questions that someone might have. Um, and that's what our services do, really. We We mop up a bit of that and we provide that extra support and, and make sure that none of those questions get unanswered. What we do know is when someone is given a cancer diagnosis, they get an awful lot of information in a really short period of time. And there's no, you know, as humans, we find it really hard to take on that much information precisely. Um, so my job isn't to be judgmental about who said what and why and how. My job is just to answer those questions for that person in the way that they understand it. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's a really unique job in healthcare in that way because I don't always look at all the notes and understand everything that's going on before. I just deal with that person on that day. Yeah. And also, that also makes me think about, you know, you perhaps see on television if you've not been through yourself like taking a relative with you I always remember my husband's aunt you know had a cancer diagnosis and she had a lot of tablets to say take at certain times and it was really confusing and and her cousin helped like have a plan like they had those containers and a time of what you needed to take at what time so it was a certain order so absorbing that amount of information on your own must be extremely overwhelming and scary so having someone there with you to go through it all and take it in with you I guess is really important yeah and we're still having a knock-on effect from COVID with that as well and um, so particularly during COVID people were told they couldn't bring anyone with them you now can bring people to your cancer appointment and um, but I think people are still very cautious of doing that 
we always say come with someone and we always say take notes as well. I was going to say, bring a pen and paper. That is what I would do. And also, like, probably write questions down that you want to ask. I would do that as well. I think that's, that is one of my top tips is write down any questions that you have. Because again, they are, so, you know, we have short appointment times because the number of people we have to treat. Um, and I know the clinicians really appreciate it as well. If someone comes with a list of questions. I'd come with like a side of A4. <laughs> so just hang on, I've got other things from us. And I really like that as well, because if someone comes to me and says, I've got all these questions, I'm, I really like being able to just go, okay, let's just tick these off. Yes, just let's answer me. So we also work really closely with a cancer care navigator team. Um, so they're a team of dedicated spe- um, specialist and um, support workers. They contact people by the telephone 21 days, approximately 21 days after they've been diagnosed um, to check if there's anything extra or any inf- extra information that they need. And are they, sorry, are they employed by us then? Are they- so they're part of the, the personalised care under the cancer right. services team. Um, so they provide a listening ear and a really knowledgeable voice um, that, again, they can signpost, um, provide referrals um, and and that emotional support that we know is really vital in cancer care. That's really good. Well, that's a great role. I didn't know we had that. Are they, how long have they been around? They've been, uh, there's been about two years. But what I've learned as, um, because my my service as well has only been there for about two years and the team at Kramer has been, uh, I think, just longer, about three years. Um, and what I've kind of realised is it just takes a long time to get these services up and running and to get people to know about them. Um, so it, it, it's a lot of doing things like this. It's a lot of plugging and networking and telling people over and over again that I'm here um, or that we're here and we're here to provide that support. And the reason all of these centres services have been set up is because the feedback from patients was that they were struggling to get that extra information support. So these are all services that have been set up based on patient feedback. Say someone's had treatment and they were, you know, really fortunate and that it was all dealt with and they had the all clear, if that's the right terminology. Would it be that they're kind of told to like, okay, see you later, you know, carry on with your life, good luck. Or, you know, because they must live with that permanent concern that it might come back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a really good question. So um, two thirds of people with a, that have had cancer will worry over five years that that cancer of about reoccurrence. It's a really strong worry for people completely understandably. And it's something that's really hard to understand for a lot of people unless you've been through cancer yourself or you work with someone is that it, it doesn't just stop. Cancer doesn't just stop. It affects, as we've said throughout this, it affects your whole your whole body, your whole person, everything that you are. So it doesn't, you don't finish treatment and that's it. You're back to work. You're back to being normal. And I think people that haven't had this experience, which is few people, um, you know, one in two people will be affected by cancer in their lifetime. So it's less people now than it, it was, but it's still people think, oh, well, you're better now, so you can come back to work or you're better now, so... We can continue doing things as we used to do. Um, so that aftercare is something that we know is really vital. There's lots of really great support groups out there that can provide that care. Um, often we'll have a sort of someone won't finish their treatment and that's it. They'll be on something called surveillance. So for sort of normally it's about five years, they'll have regular scans. 
that can cause its own worry. So people get what they call scans. I can't say anxiety. Yeah, I haven't heard of that. <laughs> yeah, um, where they worry about you know each time you have this build up of I've got a scan coming up, it's going to show something as if it was the first time that you were about to have that diagnosis. And so we know that that's a really common thing in people that have had cancer. In fact, we know this is so common um, that Macmillan provide a course for people that have been through cancer and who have had treatment. Um, it's called the HOPE course, so help to overcome problems effectively. Um, and it's a six-week course um, which goes through all of those aspects of life with cancer. So um, it's, we know we talk about things like smarter goal setting, we do relaxation, we do body image, we do relationships eating well just the whole range of things and um, and really it's a chance to sit with other people who have been through similar experiences as you and share those experiences in a way that you don't often get a chance to i get a lot of people so i run this course um in chroma although we also run it out of different areas as well um, and a lot of people come to the first session and they'll go, I never knew anyone else felt like that. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, as I say, so it's such a common thing that we do actually provide that. We've just spoke a little bit about relatives and carers. Um, and you've said, you know, you can have those come into your, the pod in, in West Outpatients as well. So even if the, perhaps they're, you know, a, a partner of someone and that person's just, you know, gone and got a cup of tea or something, can they just quickly come and see you if they want a private yeah. chat? Because it absolutely must be really hard for them. And Yeah. A relative, carer, family member, loved one, best friend, you know, these people are all affected by someone being diagnosed with cancer as much as the person who is actually diagnosed with cancer. And and there are loads of support services out there. There are, there's lots of um, things like support groups or and charities and things that that will provide support for that but you know it's really hard to know exactly where to go when that's needed and so yeah absolutely they can come in and see us they can call any of the other support services and do we work with um charities obviously on site there's the big c center isn't there um which is the norfolk cancer charity but obviously then i guess you know there's all the big national cancer charities uh, and then local support groups, things that have been set up by patients and ex-patients. Yeah. So we actually have too many amazing charities yeah. that with to name. I mean, they all kind of bubble around in my head a lot of the time. But, I, you know, it's, it, there's so many that there's no way of being able to list every single one right now. I think I'd be here for the rest of the night. Um, and I want to keep talking around more. What I can tell you, though, is we have a really great page on the Norfolk Norwich University website called the Care Hub. There's loads of information about different charities that are available, support groups, but there's also some really good patient videos as well. So they talk through things like what is radiotherapy and does uh, it's a video of someone having radiotherapy and going in for their appointment. And they talk about what what different parts of the pathway are and there's specific sort of different science-specific videos as well on there. So if anyone's got any questions and they're not sure where to turn to, I always send them to the Care Hub. Just moving on a bit, we hear the word palliative care a lot. Um, we have palliative care nurses as well, don't we? Um, do they? Can you talk to me a bit about their role? And do they see all cancer patients, or is it just cancer patients at certain points of their journey if they've got like an incurable cancer? Yeah. So palliative care um, 
it's a really interesting thing to talk about in line with cancer because actually palliative care was started in cancer um, many years ago um, and it's quite a new area of medicine as well. So really a palliative care team's role is to support people often with life-limiting or incurable conditions um, and they provide support for so physical symptoms, emotional symptoms, any, again, it's very holistic, it's about the whole person and they provide support for. Part of their job is that end stage as well and sort of supporting someone at the end of life. Um, but actually palliative care can be part of someone's um, pathway to anywhere in, in their journey. And actually what we know is the earlier a palliative care team gets involved, the better the outcome will be. Sometimes palliative care, and I think people do really worry when they see, they hear that word, um, actually get involved in sort of very complex control because that's their specialist in people that are going through curative treatment. And um, so they kind of, they do a fit a, hot, a very broad role and um, specific. They don't just work with cancer patients though. So they do work with anyone across the, um, anyone with that sort of life limiting condition. But I think people often associate it with cancer because it was born in a cancer uh, way. Right. With you. With you. Okie doke. And so you touched on briefly um, World Cancer Day. So World Cancer Day is a, a, an awareness day that happens every year on the 4th of February. That's a Sunday this year. We're running an event, or you're running an event, I should say, on Friday the 2nd. So um, anyone can turn up? Patients, yeah. visitors, stand yet? So it's, yeah, absolutely, it's for anyone to come to um, that wants to know a little bit more about what happens when you're diagnosed with cancer or who has had a cancer diagnosed themselves and want to understand a bit more about what happens when they were diagnosed. It's members of the cancer staff who will be talking about what their jobs are. And often these are the jobs that you don't really understand, that like we don't necessarily advertise what they do, but they're those kind of behind the scenes and they do lots. Um, and but then we'll also and probably most importantly hear from our patients as well. So our Together Against Cancer or TAC group um, are patient representatives who have all been through cancer treatment and they help us to improve cancer services. And um, so they will be talking about their experience at the event as well to bring it back to that most important patient view. That's amazing that they're doing that, like to share their experiences. Yeah, we, we have talked to them. We're aware that it might be quite emotional, yeah. um, but they're being really brave and really willing to share their experience. And can the audience visitors um, sort of ask questions and, and speak to you? Yeah, absolutely. Well? There'll be a, so at, it starts at 12 o'clock. It's at the Benjamin Gooch Lecture Theatre in the East Atrium Level 1 um, at the North Norwich Hospital. So at 12 o'clock, there'll be an uh time for networking there's going to be tea cake and quite relaxed start and then at 12 30 we'll start the sort of talk the presentation part and then at two o'clock we'll have a time for questions and answers at the end and then there's always chance to talk and and catch up afterwards as well brilliant okay well i hope it helps if anyone wants to get in touch is there a generic email or, or a phone number that they should they can take down yeah absolutely so um my generic email is information pod at nnuh.nhs.uk um, and the telephone number is 01603641559. Excellent. Well, thank you. And I hope you get lots of people attend. And, and thanks for this chat. It's been really helpful. Thank you so much, Susie. 
So a quick reminder of a few things Bethan mentioned. She is based at the Information Pod. Now that's in the entrance of West Outpatients, Level 2 at the Norfolk and Norwich. Also up in Cromer, there's the North Norfolk Macmillan Centre. And for opening times of both, check out our website. The event to mark World Cancer Day is on Friday the 2nd of February. That's at 12pm in the Benjamin Gooch Lecture Theatre, Level 1 in the East Atrium. And if you need further advice or support groups, then remember to check out our website, nnuh.nhs.uk, and search for Cancer Services or The Care Hub. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care.